Thank you, Candice, and thank you for worshiping with us today. Uh, be sure and greet one another, and uh, just tell them what a joy it is to have this time together. Uh, as Jonathan said, we've been at, uh, on this sermon series of At the Table. Uh, last week, we did talk about our spouse, and we talked about the kingdom effect that we have uh, of doing life together as a team of uh, for God's glory, for His purpose. And I want you to know how regularly uh, we pray for the marriages of this church, that they will be strong and they'll be healthy and they'll be God-honoring. Uh, today we turn to another person that is at the table today, and that's children or our kids. And how can we love them well? Uh, for us to talk about that today, because it's not just the children that are at our table in our home, but it could be our neighbor's child. It could be as a teacher, uh, one of the, the children that we're blessed with to teach. So it goes beyond just here in our home, but the influence that we do have. Uh, I grew up watching the Art Linkletter show. Uh, kids say the darndest things. Uh, there have been a lot of remakes of that show, but no one can do it as well as Art Linkletter. And I think about how children view life uh, from a different perspective that's just so refreshing. Uh, it's like the three-year-old that was sitting at the table, and she held out her hand to her mom, and she said, Look, Mommy, I killed a fly. Seeing that the child was eating a large dill pickle, uh, she picked up the daughter, raced her over to the sink, washed that child's hands with antibacterial soap, and put her back at the table. And she was kind of impressed that she had killed that fly. She said, well, honey, uh, how did you kill that fly? She said, well, I hit it with my pickle. <clears throat> or, or the teacher that was trying to teach children about adjectives. And the adjective was to describe the color of your mom's hair. And so he spoke up and said, well, my mom's hair is Auburn. <laughs> so impressed. Uh, how did you know that your mom's hair is Auburn? He said, well, that's what it says on the box. <clears throat> <clears throat> or there was Jake, five years old. He was with his granddad and walking uh, toward the mall and going to sit in the lap of the Easter Bunny. And as they were standing in line, it was his time to go up. And the grandfather said, Jake, it's your turn going up. He said, no. He said, why not? He said, there's a man in, there's a man in his mouth. Okay. <laughs> Deal with it, okay? Children, they have the greatest outlook on life. They say the darndest things, but they bring so much joy, so much life to, to life for us. And today, we're going to look at how we uh, can love our children well, because we have an opportunity to mold, to make, to help them on their journey of faith. We get to pour into them one generation to the next. And for us to realize that uh, we can teach them what we teach down in our children's ministry uh, over and over and over that God created them 
that God loves them and Jesus wants to be their friend forever. That's what we get an opportunity to do. And as we do that, for us to realize that each day is a blessing that we have and we need to take advantage of the days that God gives us. Now, I know as a parent, having uh, grown children now and grandchildren, uh, that some days just seem like they're never going to end. Uh, some days it just seems like I am living in the twilight zone. Uh, some days you're thinking, whose children are these? But as we look at it, we know that Mama said there'll be days just like that. And Mama's never wrong. So as we look at that, with those days that seem long, that seem like, uh, how can we get through these days? Uh, we don't want to just survive. Uh, we want to thrive. Because before we turn around, let me tell you, uh, they are grown and you will be empty nesters. So how can we thrive uh, as parents and love our children well? Well, let's look at what Paul says in Ephesians 6, uh, verse 1. It's going to be on the screen, but here's what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it will go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. There are four principles that we're going to look at today. Whether we are a parent, whether we're an uncle, an aunt, whether we're a teacher. Things that children need to know for us to love them well. The first principle is this. It's on the screen. And it's going to be a mandate for obedience. Meaning, according to Ephesians 6... That obedience is not an option. It's not an option. In verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, and notice the words that follow. For this is right. To obey is an action. To honor is an attitude. We have to understand that concept before we move on, because if we don't get that, we might as well just leave. Because to obey is an action, to honor is an attitude. That means according to Scripture, for obedience to truly be, mean what it means in Scripture, that uh, you can't have one without the other. That the action and the attitude are to mesh together. For instance, we may tell our children to do something or to stop doing something. We may tell them, clean up your room, take your plate to the kitchen sink, do your homework, brush your teeth. Uh, don't talk back in that attitude to your brother and your sister. And they may have an attitude that they show where they are doing that, an action where they are doing that, but their attitude is that they're throwing a temper tantrum. They, they are back-talking. Uh, they are stomping away as they complete the task. They're doing the action, but their attitude is not showing and meshing with the action that they just did. It's important for action and attitude to be together. I played this principle out in my own mind. I thought about when I was growing up. And for me, I obeyed my parents. I, I had to learn to do that because obedience is a learned response. My obedience didn't come naturally because I was my own person. I knew what I wanted to do. 
I knew what I wanted to not do. And so there were some hard lessons that I had from my parents in order for me to understand obedience from them. For, the, for me to live into the parameters and uh, also the guardrails and the rhythm of what they expected of me, uh, it was just an action that I was doing. But the, as I grew up and I became older, I realized that my action changed to an attitude. That I wanted to obey my parents because I loved them, but I also wanted to honor them. Uh, that was what I learned uh, for Bill. Did I always get it right? No. Uh, but if we don't train our children to obey parents, then the connection between the attitude of honor will never be the foundation for the reason that I, I do the action. If they don't learn how to honor, then obedience is just going to be a task that I do in order to stay out of trouble. And if that verse on obedience is not enough from Ephesians 6, we look at Colossians 3, verse 20. It's going to be on the screen. It says, children, obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Uh, you read that text and you can argue that obedience is a way in which we can worship the Lord. I, I haven't thought about that. It says it's pleasing of the Lord. And so if I'm obedient to my parents, then it's a form of worship uh, that I give to God. As a pastor, I've been privileged to sit in my office and talk to many different families about uh, a deceased individual. We're planning a funeral and they come in and we are talking about mom and dad and uh, all the different things that they remember as we're building that service and, uh, and talking about what that service can be like. And as I'm sitting there listening, it's such a sweet time. I get to look at those adult children and I get to say to them, thank you. Thank you for honoring your parents because it did not go unnoticed of how they took care of their parents, how they honored them. And those adult children need that affirmation because it's such a sad time. But to say, I saw it and it didn't go unnoticed. Jesus talked about this attitude of honor in one of his parables. It's in Matthew 21. Jesus said there were two sons, and the father went to the first son and said, go to the vineyard and work, and the son said, I will not. Uh, but later he changed his mind and he went to work. He went to the second son and he said, go to the vineyard and work, and he said, I will. But he didn't. And Jesus asked, which of the two did what the Father asked. The mandate for obedience is an action. And it's coupled with an attitude. I do what I do because I love and I want to honor you, uh, my parent. Which dovetails into the second principle that we find in Ephesians 6, 
which is the means of outpouring. Uh, verse 1, it deals with obey your parents. But notice next this. Verse 2, it says honor. There's that word again. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. First commandment meaning God gave us ten commandments. But there is only one of the ten commandments that comes with a promise. Simply saying that if you do this, then you'll be blessed by that. And what is the result? What is the promise that's fulfilled? It's in verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you will enjoy long life on earth. So time out. Think about this. This is too important to skip over. I had to see it for myself this past week. Let's take a quick look at those Ten Commandments. It's going to be on the screen. It comes from Exodus 20. The cliff note versions of those are these. No other gods, no idols or graven images. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet. Notice the placement of the commandment with the promise. The only one. Honor your father and mother. Where is it? Do the math. It's number five. Why so? Because maybe it's a reminder that if we honor our father and mother with understanding that they are seeking to honor God, our parents are seeking to honor God, then everything else will just fall into place. Such as, you will keep the Sabbath holy. You will have no other graven images before you. That you will keep God first. You won't murder. You won't steal. You will, will not commit adultery. You won't covet your neighbor's stuff. So children are to honor their parents, to obey their parents. It is a commandment that God gave to us. And this commandment is dead center. It is the hub of the rest of the other commandments. However, there's a significant underlying teaching point here. Just a small detail that goes beyond the trivia that it's number five. And it has a promise. What could be the underlying teaching moment for this? Because it goes so much deeper. I believe it's this. If our children cannot obey physical, visible authority their parents or others in authority, then how will they ever learn to obey invisible authority, that of God? Have you ever thought about that? That obeying and honoring parents is a teaching tool for our children so they can learn to obey God. Their Heavenly Father, who they cannot see, bottom line, if there is obedience in the physical realm that pays dividends in the spiritual realm. And that leads us to the third principle that we find in Ephesians 6. And that's the measurement of parenting or the oversight of parenting. So guys, get ready. Because here it says in verse 4, fathers, it's calling us out. Fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger. 
That is the measurement tool or the guide that we as dads have. As we evaluate our relationship with our children, meaning this, the original word for provoke there is translate, translated out to mean agitate, aggravate, or irritate. And fathers, specifically, we are called out to not do that. To agitate, aggravate, or irritate. Why do you think so? Possibly because fathers are called to be the spiritual leaders of the home. According to Scripture, fathers have the responsibility of the spiritual nurture of their children. That's on us, guys. The spiritual nurture of our children. If we're going to love them well, it's a spiritual nurture. It's a building up of children. Fathers are tasked to be the encouragers of their children. The cheerleaders of the way to go. Good job. Well done. Just speaking accolades over them. Making sure that your children are introduced to Jesus. The work is on you and me. Let me ask you as I constantly ask myself, when was the last time that you gave any encouragement to your child? Not just on the ball field, but just for them for being who they are. To say to them, if I could line up all the children of the world on a stage before me, and if I could choose one to be my child, I would choose you. What would that mean to our children for them to hear that? But also, guys, we have the same responsibility of the spiritual nurture of our wife. Just like Jonathan led us last week, when we have entered their world and asked our wife, how's it going? How was it at home? How was it at work? What do you need? I am so proud of you to say to your wife, I love you more today than I did yesterday, but not as much as I'm going to love you tomorrow. What would that mean for us guys to take that kind of leadership? That is our specific and clear role in the home to nurture those under our roof spiritually and emotionally. That role is not to be compromised. It's not to be handed off. It's not to say, oh, the church is going to take care of the spiritual role. No. It's on you. Your job is to be the spiritual leader of your home. In a, his commentary on Ephesians, on this passage, Warren Wiersbe, great guy, uh, he lists different uh, things about parenting that we need to know that would cause us to provoke our children. Uh, one of them is being a helicopter parent, where he talks about uh, just hovering, waiting to drop in when they need you. It's the idea of the parental rescuer, 
uh, swooping in and taking over their life and decisions. Uh, he talks about the fishbowl parenting, providing for their every need, uh, not letting them uh, go without being uh, the uh, sugar daddy syndrome where they don't understand the value of hard work or life or even developing a work ethic in which he says you could change Ephesians 6.1 to read this way, parents obey your children for this will keep them happy and bring peace at home. It's hard to know who's a parent and who's a child. Uh, another one he talks about is being the overprotecting parent where uh, you don't allow them to have the responsibility for the decisions that they make. And therefore, they never grow up out of adolescence because you're always there for them. I thought about what Wearsby was saying about how we provoke, but then I read this story because it seems to be more pointed for today. It was about a CEO that told his administrative assistant, here's a list of names. No matter where I am, what I'm doing, uh, they have instant access to me. I want my family to know that they have instant access to me. Because in today's world, it seems like we spend so much time uh, in, at work or maybe on an iPad or on our phone. And, and we're just disconnected. But I want instant access wherever I am. These people can come and they can find me, even if it's inconsequential. One of the employees heard what the CEO had said. And he said, would you adopt me? I've been trying to get in contact with my dad uh, for months. And I can't. That struck home to Bill. And I hope it does to you. Provoke, irritate, ag aggravate, agitate. We're to lead our home. Children are desperate for us to do that. So the principles for us to uh, love our children well as we're trying to be the best parent we can be is a mandate of obedience, a means of outpouring, a measure of parenting. But then the last one is mission central. Look at verse 4. Bring them up how? With the love of baseball? It's great. With the love of piano and arts? Wonderful. With the love of hunting, fishing? That's all good. But it comes back to the mission central that we bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That is my, our duty. I asked my accountability group on Wednesday, said, when did you hear about Jesus, about his salvation, about gospel? Who was it? One in my accountability group said, well, it was from my grandmothers. On my dad's side, my mother's side, both of them just loved Jesus. They talked to me about Jesus. Another one said it was from my mother and my father. Nine out of ten will say it was from an adult. I can't think of a sweeter conversation that could be had from that of a parent with a child about Jesus unless it is a parent and a child who come to know Jesus at the same time. Don't provoke your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. How? 
it always comes back to that question of how do I do that? Maybe this visual from Psalm 127, verse 3 and 4, will help us because it will be on the screen. And it says, Children born during one's youth are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. I read that psalm and I thought about arrows representing our children that we are preparing to shoot out into this world. Arrows are an easy picture for us to see as they sail out going toward the destination and the target uh, that we've aimed for. But it is a bow. The bow that prepares and sends the arrows out, right? Without the bow, the arrows just stay in the quiver. The work of the bow is sending out the arrows. What is the responsibility of the bow in sending out the arrows? Very quick. The answer to the how. Uh, let's just use an acrost acrostic. Let's let the B stand for be consistent. Let our children know. Here are the expectations. They, they need that. It's desperate. They want it. Because we have children that like to kind of push to see where the line's drawn and what happens if I step across that line. So just be consistent. And when, when they're grown and growing up, then that changes and we got to be a little bit more flexible. But be consistent. The O is just own your mistakes. Uh, there are times that we're talking to our sons and daughters and we just lose our temper. I know I have. Oh, my goodness. That's stories I could tell you. But just own your mistakes to say, I was wrong. I was wrong in losing my temp temper there. Uh, I may have been too hard-headed here. I may have made a wrong decision here. As we own those mistakes, it teaches our children that it's okay for mom and dad to do that. Then later on in life, it's going to be okay for me because I saw it modeled. Be consistent. Own our mistakes. And the W, words of affirmation. It's the role of a parent just to learn to love your children well. Just speak into the lives of our children. So our children are so desperate to hear those words of affirmation. affirmation. Uh, that's our role as the bow that sends out the arrows. In this place this morning, as we're talking about loving our kids well, being a good parent, uh, there are moms and dads either watching online or in this room, and you're thinking, I have failed. Let me speak to you. For those of you who have children that are prodigals, and that's our topic next week, you're here and you're watching and you say, I wish that my child was with me in church today. You're saying, I wish that my child was under biblical teaching of a church. In this church, we have a tendency to celebrate the child. 
uh, who does everything right, who's always here. Celebrate children and their accomplishments. Yet there are moms and dads in this room who are just heartbroken because of this whole family talk. And you're saying, I just wish I knew what my child was right now. I just wish that they would let me know where they are. You may have a son or daughter that's kind of wayward in the things of God. And doesn't want to have anything to do with God. And your heart's broken. My heart's broken for you as well. The enemy has made you feel like a failure. If that is you, then I have a word for you this morning. A word just for you. Because I want you to know that you are not alone in this journey. And so I'm going to ask all of us to stand now. Because if we are that parent who have that kind of child, I want you to look around and see that there are people here that will walk that journey with you. But I've got a word for you. It's a quote that I hope will set you free. And here it is. It's not your job to make godly children because guess who makes godly children? God. It's not your job to make godly children but it's a parent's job to make sure that your children have godly parents. You can't make godly children, but you can make a godly parent. If that's the guilt that you've been living under, in the name of Jesus, be set free. Lay that guilt down. The enemy no longer has a foothold over you on that. No longer. That's not your story. But today in this place, at this moment, we believe in miracles. And our prayer is that you're going to get a text message. You're going to have a phone call. You're going to hear from that child. And says, Mom, Dad... I want to come home. I want to come home not just to a physical home, but to the presence of God. Been praying that. And we will continue to pray that. I'm going to offer up prayer. We're going to sing a song in a minute. These altar rails are open for you to come and to pray. But in this place today, for you to know, some of you think that good people go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And that may be something that you need to just confess and say, Lord, here I am. I just need forgiveness. Maybe it's a time of celebration, just a time for you. Parents, as you love your children well, just be the best you can be for them and for him. Let me pray over you. 
Lord, I realize that the parents in this place are just begging for their child to come home. Not a physical home, but a, a home just in your presence. So God, will you do your work there? Change life. Take back what the enemy has taken from these moms and dads. It's not too late. Set them free. They're prodigal. Just let those children know your voice. Show them your face. God, our prayer is that the phone will ring, a text message will come, and that that relationship will be reestablished. We are not giving up. And Lord, we're claiming it in the sweet and powerful name of the miracle worker, the way maker, the one who can change life forever, the transformation. And it's on this day, Lord, as we learn to step into loving our children well, that we will be the parent you've called us to be. It's in the sweet name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. As we sing, altar rails are open. Let the Holy Spirit fall on this place. May we be changed forever as we sing together.